So the first reading is in 1 Corinthians chapter 12. We'll be starting at verse 1. Now, about the gifts of the Spirit, brothers and sisters, I do not want you to be uninformed. You know that when you were pagans, somehow or other you were influenced and led astray to dumb idols. Therefore, I want you to know that no one who is speaking by the Spirit of God says, Jesus be cursed. And no one can say, Jesus is Lord, except by the Holy Spirit. There are different kinds of gifts, but the same Spirit distributes them. There are different kinds of service, but the same Lord. There are different kinds of working, but in all of them, and in everyone, it is the same God at work. Now to each one, the manifestation of the Spirit is given for the common good. To one, there is given through the Spirit a message of wisdom. To another, a message of knowledge by means of the same Spirit. To another, faith by the same Spirit. To another, gifts of healing by that one Spirit. To another, miraculous powers. To another, prophecy. To another, distinguishing between spirits. To another, speaking in different kinds of tongues. And to still another, the interpretation of tongues. All these are the work of one and the same Spirit. And he distributes them to each one, just as he determines. And our second reading is 1 Peter chapter 4, and we'll start at verse 7. The end of all things is near. Therefore, be alert and of sober mind, so that you may pray. Above all, love each other deeply, because love covers over a multitude of sins. Offer hospitality to one another without grumbling. Each of you should use whatever gift you have received to serve others as faithful stewards of God's grace in its various forms. If anyone speaks, they should do so as one who speaks the very words of God. If anyone serves, they should do so with the strength God provides, so that in all things God may be praised through Jesus Christ. To him be the glory and the power forever and ever. Amen. Well, friends, if you are new to us, it's your first Sunday or you're visiting Emmanuel, uh, you've joined us in the middle of a series where we're working through what it means to be a church family together. It's called the local church. And to give us some structure to think through all that means, we are working through what we call our church covenant. And that's what all the members of Emmanuel Church uh, agree to and affirm together and expresses really what we are going to do and how we're going to live together as the Lord's people. And we come uh, this week, last week, um, having looked at the mission of the church, we come this week to serving Christ together. So as we looked uh, last week at the mission God gives to us as his people, we saw that the mission of the church is to make disciples of all nations as we go and we baptize and we teach, as we share the message of repentance and forgiveness of sins through faith in Christ, relying on the power of the Spirit. So that was what we're called to do as a church. Now this week, we're thinking about how we do that together as the Lord's people. And we're going to see that we fulfill that great mission together as a church family. And we do that as we use God's gracious gifts to us to serve for the good of the church 
and for the glory of God. That's the thought that's picked up in the next statement in our members' covenant that reads that we serve Christ together as members of this local church, which includes a diversity of gifts, recognizing that each one is called to play our part. And we commit to the financial support of the life and activities of the church as we are able, including the support of those whose vocation is gospel ministry. Now, it's really, really important, and we're so thankful that in that church covenant, having thought about our mission, the very next thing that we talk about is how we do that. And it's really important that we see that that we do that together, because one misunderstanding about how the church does this mission is that we can think that it's just the role of the elders or the full-time pastors to fulfill this work of God's mission. But that's not right. We serve together in this commission with a diversity of gifts within the church family. And that means that the elders and indeed all the employed staff can never fulfill that mission alone. God intends that we fulfill this calling together. So it's really important that we think about it right after the mission for that reason. But it's also really important that we talk about serving together because it's a helpful corrective to a wrong view of church life that can be increasingly common in our world. You know, our our culture is highly individualized and we expect everything to serve us. And in so many of our interactions, we are consumers, aren't we? But the danger is that view of life in general can affect how we see the life of the church. And and it can mean that we see church as something that we consume as an observer rather than a place to serve and participate. I think if we're honest, the last couple of years and all that's happened with the pandemic hasn't helped us with that. Because for a season we were made to be even more consuming of what was happening as opposed to serving because of all the different restrictions. So it's, it's important that we talk about this subject because that follows through how we complete our mission. We serve God in that mission together. It's important we talk about this subject because of that danger of a consumer view of church life. But it's also important because godly Christians are always evaluating their service. As elders, we know that so many in our church family serve sacrificially across the life of the fellowship. And we are so grateful for everything that is done. And some will look at how much they are doing and realize they have been overcommitted. And it's right that in light of that, they do less. But for others, it might be right to consider whether you are doing all that you could to serve. Maybe the pandemic or maybe your life circumstances for a time meant that you needed to change how you serve and and step back from things. But now perhaps you could look to serve in new ways. Or maybe you're new to Emmanuel and you're wondering about how you can serve and that's part of being a godly Christian. So for all those reasons... We can be thankful to God that as we come through this church covenant that the brothers and sisters at Emmanuel put together when they thought through what it meant to be a church family, we come now 
to serving in the life of the church. And if you think about service, where do we start? There are many passages, aren't there, in Scripture that speak of of serving, but the place we must start is with our Lord Jesus Christ. Because if you think about our Lord Jesus Christ, we know that he came to serve. In Mark chapter 10 and verse 45, Jesus tells us that even the Son of Man, that's Jesus, did not come to be served, but to serve, and to give his life as a ransom for many. So Christ served his people by paying for their sins when he died on the cross. That was why he came. He came to serve. And the Lord Jesus shows us through his example and also through his teaching that true greatness is found in service. In that same passage, Jesus says, whoever wants to be great among you must be your servant. That's Mark 10, verse 44. So the Lord Jesus is where we start. That's where we start because he is our example of sacrificial service. He took his own life and he offered it up to his father and for our good and for our sins. So serving is about giving. Christ served as he gave. It's about giving your life. It's about using your gifts, all that you have for the glory of God. And so as we think about service this morning and try and summarize the Bible's teaching on service, we're going to see that we are called to use all of our gifts for God's glory. God has given us gifts in three ways, and we're going to be talking about these three ways in which we can serve and give our gifts to God. God has given us a gift of our talents. Our talents are our natural and our spiritual gifts, and those are gifts that God gives to us. God has also given us a gift alongside talents of time, and he's entrusted us to make wise choices in how we use it. But alongside talents and time, God has also given us treasure. That's our money and our practical resources that we are all to use for his glory. Now, we have to steward those gifts in many areas of life, in family, in the workplace, in the community. But this morning, we're going to focus on how we steward those gifts of talents, time, and treasure in the life of the church. We'll mainly look at the two passages that were read for us, but we'll jump into some others as well. And we're going to see three big things about service this morning. And the first is that our gifts come to us by God's grace. As we think about those three gifts of talent and time and treasure, our gifts come to us by God's grace. We read in 1 Peter chapter 4 and verse 10, each of you should use whatever gift you have received to serve others as faithful stewards of God's grace in its various forms. Now that means, friends, if these gifts come to us by God's grace, it means that every Christian has gifts to give. We all have time, we all have treasure, but we all also have talents that we can use for God. Peter assumes that we have all been given gifts. He says there in verse 10, each of you should use whatever gift received to serve others. He doesn't say that only those who have received gifts should use them, but rather he assumes that everyone has gifts to 
to contribute. A similar point comes out in the reading we looked at in 1 Corinthians chapter 12 and verse 7, where Paul says, Now to each one the manifestation of the Spirit is given for the common good. And again, you have that phrase, to each one, implying that we all have gifts. So no one has nothing to offer. Every Christian has gifts in those three areas of talents and of time and of treasure. Now, the ways in which we might serve with those gifts will change according to our life circumstances, but we can all serve. So everyone has gifts to bring, but also those gifts are given according to God's grace. God gives gifts according to his grace. Again, back in 1 Peter 4, Peter links the gifts that we are given with God's grace, his undeserved favor. And he tells us that whatever gifts we have received, we are to steward as we are, we are to use as faithful stewards of God's grace. Now, do you see the parallel there in that statement? We use the gifts as faithful stewards because we have received the gifts by God's grace. So that means, friends, that our talents, our time, and our treasure are not a statement of our value, either to God or to others, and nor are they a reward for our previous achievements. They are a gift from our gracious God. And we must be really clear that the Bible never values people according to our gifts and what we can contribute. Our value comes from our creation in the image of God. Our value comes from our identity as redeemed in Christ. And that means that those gifts of talents and time and treasure are gifts to steward, not statements of our significance and value because they come by God's grace. And if all our gifts come by God's grace, then we can also recognize that God's allocation of gifts is varied across the church. If God gifts according to his grace, that means he is free to distribute time, talents, and treasure according to his own purposes and his own will. Now, the human heart has a strong egalitarian impulse where we want God to do everything equally across all people. But that impulse isn't biblical. We think that way because we wrongly find our value in what we do. And so we think God's distribution must be equal because if that's how we value, then it's got to be equally across all people. But if we find our value in who we are, made in the image of God, redeemed in Christ, then we can see that God is free to distribute gifts according to his grace. And so, in 1 Corinthians chapter 12 and verse 11, when writing about those different spiritual gifts that were there given to the church, Paul says, all these are the work of one and the same Spirit. And he, that is God, the Spirit, distributes them to each one just as he determines. Do you see that? It's God's sovereign prerogative. He is free to distribute gifts across the church as he determines. So we all have gifts, 
They all come by God's grace, but the allocation is varied. That means that in terms of our talents, they're not all going to be the same. And that's okay. That means that they're all not going to be given an equal number to each Christian, and that's okay. Some will have more, and some will have less, but all will have some. It also means in terms of our time. We don't all have the same time to give to the life of the church. There are seasons when our responsibilities in other areas that are God-given will be different, at home and at work. And also we have to recognize that in different seasons of life, we will have different amounts of energy to serve in general. We all have time to give, but the allocation will be varied according to God's grace. And then we all uh, have treasure, money and possessions, which we are all called to give freely from. But the degree to which we can give will change according to different seasons in life. God's allocation is varied, and our degree to which we can give will be different according to our circumstances and different according to seasons in life. Now, this is so important to see because if God's gracious and varied allocation of gifts is like that across the church, then that stops us from doing something that our hearts are so prone to do, which is to compare, is it not? It stops us from looking at another Christian and thinking, I wish I had their talents. I wish I had their time. I wish I had their treasure. Because we're all accountable personally for what we have been given. Gifts in the life of the church are gifts of God's grace. And we're called to use what we have been given for good of the church and the glory of God. That knowing that this is God's gracious gift to us. That's the first principle. The the second one for us to see is that we are to use the gifts given graciously by God to serve one another. Our second big thing, we are to use gifts to serve each other. If God's gifts are graciously given to us and they're not given for our benefit, they are given for the good of others. It was a repeated thought in both the readings. In Peter, we read 1 Peter chapter 4, verse 10, we are to use our gifts to serve others. And in 1 Corinthians 12, verse 7, Paul says we should use our gifts for the common good. And that means, then, that serving others is our priority. The world tells us that we should use talents, time, and treasure to gain recognition and to gain personal fulfillment. But those are selfish motivations to serve. Instead, God says, use whatever gifts you have for the good of others. Now, if that's the controlling principle, I am to use my gifts for the good of others, that means that the presence of a talent or a spiritual gift doesn't mean that I must necessarily use it in the life of the church. We should be sensitive to the needs of the church and when we think about how we serve. If our priority is to serve for the good of others, that might mean that we won't necessarily express all our talents, but rather we will particularly use the talents and gifts that will contribute to the good of the church as we know the church family. 
it might also mean that we need to be prepared to serve in ways that may not perfectly fit with what we think are our talents. Because if my priority is the needs of the church, then I need to be willing to do something that might not be a perfect fit for me, but I can do it. Our talents are not static. They are changing and and growing as the Spirit enables us. And so often we find that as we stretch ourselves to serve in a new area, the Lord enables by giving us new gifts to serve in that way. The Lord Jesus Christ was focused on how he used his life for the good of others, and we should do the same. And this calling to use our gifts for the good of others reminds us that we need each other. We need each other. God has designed us to need each other's gifts to fulfill his calling for his people. If you think through the the whole story of Scripture, God delights to call us to things that we cannot do on our own, And he delights to spread gifts among his people so they have to work together to fulfill the task he calls them to. So we think right back at creation when God creates Adam and he gives humanity that calling to fill the earth and subdue it. Adam cannot do that task alone. He needs a helper. A Lord provides in Eve. God calls into something he cannot do alone. He does not have all the capabilities and gifts to do it alone. And so God provides uh, Eve as well. So God delights to call us to dependence upon others. But it's not just there. If we, if we think to the, the, the calling to build the temple and the way in which God commands his people to build the temple in the Old Testament, he, he specifies a design for the temple in such a way that it's only possible to construct it with the varied gifts of highly skilled craftsmen who all needed to contribute to the project. God calls his people to tasks that they cannot accomplish alone. And he shares out our gifts within the church so that we need each other. Friends, what we need to see is that part of God's intention is that we would be dependent upon each other as we serve together. Maybe you saw um, the news on Friday that Tesla had made what they were calling a humanoid robot. Interesting description of it, isn't it? A humanoid robot. And as I watched afterwards um, what they had announced, what really struck me was how keen they were to emphasize that the next step for their robot was to be independent. They were designing for independence so that it didn't rely on anyone or anything else to do the tasks it was called to do. It was designed to be independent. But when God comes to his design for humanity, our dependence upon one another is a design feature. God could have made us with all of the gifts we needed to fulfill his mission for the church alone. You know, he could have made us all perfect generalists, couldn't he? He could have given us all the gifts we needed personally. But instead, he chooses to distribute the gifts among his people so that we need each other. 
And so we read in 1 Corinthians 12, verse 17, if the whole body were an eye, where would the sense of hearing be? If the whole body were an ear, where would the sense of smell be? The church body needs the varied gifts of the Lord's people to function as God intended. Now, why does God do this? Well, it certainly keeps us humble, and we'll come to that shortly. But there is another purpose too. It builds us up together in unity. The devil wants to drive God's people apart. And our sinful hearts want independence. But God designs us so that we are drawn together. He does that by creating us so that we can't do everything. So that every time we look and we see God's varied gifts at work in the life of the church, what is God saying? God is saying that we need each other. God is saying that you are a body. God is saying you need to serve together. And that's one of Paul's points in the final paragraph in 1 Corinthians 12. We didn't get all the way to read it, but it's important to hear it because there the Lord says, the eye cannot say to the hand, I don't need you. And the head cannot say to the feet, I don't need you. On the contrary, those parts of the body that seem to be weaker are indispensable. And that's an astonishing thing. Because is that how we see each other and our gifts? As indispensable to the life of the church. It's really challenging, isn't it? Perhaps it's particularly challenging for those of us who are prone to say yes to everything and to try to do far too much ourselves. We need to call on the gifts of one another. So, we have seen that our gifts are given to us by God's grace and according to his good purposes. We have seen that we are to use our gifts to serve each other and we need each other to serve. In a moment, we'll come to our third point. But before we do, I just want to pause and explain why, as a church, we link membership and service at Emmanuel. You'll have noticed in the church covenant, it spoke of as members together, we serve. And there are a few ministry areas across the life of the church where we think it's helpful for any Christian to serve after they have been coming to the church for a little while. And we do that because we know that those are good ways to get to know the church family through service. But we also think it's wise that for the vast majority of our ministries... It's only members who serve. Now, membership isn't something for a special class of Christian. Rather, it is for professing Christians who are walking with the Lord and who are prepared to unite around core evangelical truths. So that's what we ask for in members. And that means that as we serve in ministries, we recognize it's members who should be serving. In so many of our ministries, they represent the church, whether that's on the welcome team or the book table in town or in playing the music for us at the front to help us to sing. And it's for that reason we think it's right that we want to know that someone who is serving is a believer 
and that they're going on with the Lord. And that's part of what we ask about in that process of applying for membership. Also, there are many areas of service in the life of the church where we are teaching God's word. And it's right in those settings that we make ourselves accountable to each other through membership in terms of what we teach and how we serve. So if you've been coming to Emmanuel for a while and you're not a member, can I encourage you to consider church membership? It's biblical and it's the way in which we begin to serve in the life of the church. So let's come thirdly. We've seen that our gifts come by God's grace. We've seen that we use our gifts to serve each other. Then thirdly and finally, we are to serve in everything for the glory of God. It's challenging, isn't it, to see that God cares both about what we do and how we do it. Back again in 1 Peter 4 and verse 11, we read, If anyone speaks, they should speak as one who speaks the very words of God. If anyone serves... They should do so with the strength God provides, so that in all things God may be praised through Jesus Christ. To him be the glory and the power forever and ever. Amen. So we are to use our gifts, our our talents, our time and our treasure to serve others for the glory of God. And as we close, let me just suggest four ways in which we serve for the glory of God. And the first is this. Pursue humility. Proud service is a horrible thing. And it's a horrible thing because it moves the focus away from the Lord and onto the person. A proud preacher stops us from worshipping God as we hear God's word preached because their sin makes themselves the focus. But if all our gifts come to us by God's grace, then there's no room for boasting, is there, friends? Our world values public acts, and our world values bigger acts. But that is not God's economy. What is public is not most valuable. Rather, God cares about prayerful stewardship of the gifts that we have been given, done with right motives doesn't have to be public to be valuable and we must not believe that's the case or ever think that's the case but also the degree to which we can serve isn't the issue god cares about sacrificial service as we steward what we have been given in our talents in our time and in our treasure just think about what jesus said about the poor widow who put her offering in the temple box in Mark chapter 12. Many others gave more money than her, but Jesus said that she put more into the treasury than all of them. Why? Because she gave sacrificially from what she had. The size of our service is not the issue. It is the sacrifice with which it comes. So pursue humility. Don't value what's big. Don't value what's public. Be sacrificial and serve with right motives. Secondly, protect against weariness. In in 2 Thessalonians 3, verse 13, we read, As for you, brothers and sisters, never tire of doing what is good. 
That's a hard command. (laughs) And it's a hard command because when you give yourself, you find yourself worn out, don't you? So what do we need to do? Well, we need to keep on filling ourselves up. Because as we give, we need to be filled again. We protect against that weariness by remembering that all of our service flows from our walk with the Lord. That's why we started with the example of Christ and how he came to serve. So our service should never replace the inner life of devotion to God. Our service flows from an inner life of devotion to God. So protect against weariness. But then, thirdly, we serve to God's glory as we guard against comparison. When we get weary in service, we can find ourselves looking around to others and wondering, Lord, why do they not do more? And we need to protect against that by remembering Christ's example. Scripture never calls us to compare ourselves in terms of gifts and talent, in terms of gifts, talents, time, and treasure to anyone else. It always calls us to look to the Lord Jesus Christ. So we are servants and we are personally accountable to God for how we serve. So we are not to be focused on how another brother or sister stewards their talents, their time, and their treasure. Our responsibility is to remember Christ and all that he has done and to serve him out of love for him. So we need to protect against weariness. We need to guard against comparison. But then also finally, we need to serve with joy. This is particularly taught when the scriptures speak of the giving of our treasure. But it should also cover all of our other service in talents and time as well. Two passages to think of in 2 Corinthians. In 2 Corinthians 9 and verse 7, when Paul is teaching about giving, he says this, Each of you should give what you have decided to give, not reluctantly or under compulsion, for God loves a cheerful giver. Give joyfully. And then just one chapter earlier in the same book, we find the Macedonian Christians held up as an example by Paul when he says this, in the midst of a very severe trial, their overflowing joy and their extreme poverty welled up in rich generosity. So there was an overflowing of joy in their heart as they gave, even in their poverty, to the needs of other believers. And all of our service should be characterized by that same joyful attitude. Whether it's treasure, whether it's time, or whether it's talents. So where does that joy come from? Where do we get that joy? Well, part of it comes from recognizing the privilege we have to share in God's mission as people together. Takes us right back to where we were last week, doesn't it, friends? that we have an amazingly high privilege that the work that God began in Christ through the proclamation of the kingdom of God and brought about through the life and death of Jesus, God continues through his people. That's us. As we serve together with our gifts. 
as we look at our world, we see so many people looking for a cause to live for and something great to motivate their lives. And God has given that to us, hasn't he? He's given us that. And seeing that privilege that we are called to join in that work of God is a source of great joy. So friends, may God help us to serve with joy. May God help us to guard our hearts against comparison. May God sustain us as we protect against weariness. And may we do all that we do out of humility and service to Christ. Let's pray together. Our Lord and our God, we come with thankfulness for our Saviour, the Lord Jesus Christ. We thank you that he left the glory of heaven to come not to be served, but to serve. We thank you that he served us to the greatest extent possible because he gave himself in our place for our sins. And Lord, as we think of all that Jesus has done for us, we thank you that we are not called to repay that back because it's a gift of your grace. But we, are, we do thank you that we are called to serve our Lord Jesus Christ out of love and devotion. We thank you for the calling that you have given us as your people. We thank you for the gifts that you give to us that we may serve in that calling. And we pray that you would help us, Lord God, to serve in all that we do for the good of others and for your glory alone. So help us, we pray, by your spirit. And may we continue to glorify you as we serve you together as your people. We pray this in Christ's name. Amen.